Welcome to Cornerstone Assembly of God's weekly sermon podcast. Thanks for joining us. You can head over to cornerstoneaog.com to find information on different ministries that we offer. Thank you for downloading. Now I think it's time we listen to this week's sermon. Amen. Hallelujah. I'd tell you all to stand and do jumping jacks. It's already 1130, but we, the message that God has is so fits with what's been going on here. And I don't ever, again, we don't tell the worship leader, Amy, hey, will you tune these types of songs? And just the Holy Spirit just brings it all together. But the message that God wants to share with you today is a message that we started in January, and we started it with this. What is the two words, if you were to sum up the Bible, and two words, I've mentioned this before, so some of you know it. And I'm going to turn this one off and go to the, the ear and the ear one, so there might be a little, little time for them to get this, to get it turned on properly. But what are the two words? There's two words that if you sum up the Bible in two words, one is God, the subject of the Bible is God. What is the other word? What's the verb or what is the action of the Bible? Gave or gives. God gives. God gave us a son. God gave us eternal life. God gave us himself. God gave us a world. God gives. It's a, from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is God, the subject, and he gives. But why? We started this in January, and we took us through a Blessed Life series. But I'm going to take you now into the next step. Why? Why did he give? He doesn't have any needs. Why? And, and it's a four-letter word, and it starts with an L. <laughs> because he loves. He loves you so much. It's an unconditional love. So the reason why God gives, the reason for the Bible, the reason for why we are here is because God gave himself to us out of love. And it's a love that we don't understand. It's a love bigger than what we'll ever understand much larger than we can ever understand. It's called agape love in the Bible, and agape means an unconditional, unconditional love. He loves you unconditionally. So here's another thing. Before the foundation of the world, God loved you before he ever even created you. And I just want to share some, some of the things of some of the Scriptures that on love with God loving us. But before I do, I'm going to ask you, what do you think is your greatest purpose in life? God created you. He loves you. What is your greatest purpose in this life and for your eternal life? That's, I like that. He's, he's on the, uh, the doing part. That's good. Somebody said it over here. Maybe I will just quote Jesus Christ. Let me quote what Jesus Christ said when he was asked this question. Here's what Jesus said. When they asked him, what is the greatest? What is the most important command? What is the most important thing? And Jesus said, it to, and Jesus said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. Jesus said the most important thing for us, the reason our purpose in life is, is that we're supposed to love God. 
Now, to agape love God is impossible for man because we don't know how to agape love. But Jesus is saying this is the most important thing. I've been reading a lot of books lately, and I read, try to read three, four books a month. I've been reading a book called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. I've been reading a book called uh, How to Hear from God by Andrew Hogue. And I've also been reading a book um, called uh, Immediate Obedience by Rod Loy. And every single one of them had the same theme. Immediate obedience, by the way, that is so cool. Think about that. When God tells you something, boom, you're immediately obedient to it. You don't ask questions. You don't say, well, wait till I do this or that. You just are immediate obedient. Immediate obedience. But all of them have the same theme. If you're not being immediately obedient to God, you have an issue with your love relationship with God. Because we're obedient immediately out of love. How can you ever be immediately obedient to someone if you don't love them with all you have? All, you, all your mind, soul, and spirit. You can't. You can't do it. You do it out of love. I love you with all I have. And because I love you with everything I have, I want to do whatever you ask. Because I love you and I'm going to do it out of love. That's how we become immediately, immediately obedient. I know people who try to work at it. It's not going to work. You can't make yourself obedient to God. Our flesh just won't allow it. So if you have an obedience problem in any area of your life, I'm going to tell you what you really have because that's just a symptom. The real issue is you have a love problem. And you're not loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit, all your strength and everything you got. That is the problem. Matter of fact, I want you to think for a minute. Do you love God with everything you have within you? Is he first in every single area of your life? There's nothing more important to him. You love him with all of your mind, all of your heart, all your soul. Do you, can you say that right now? Can you actually really say that right now? Because if you love him, you'll keep his commands. If you have a sin problem, you don't love God. If you have a sin problem, you're not loving God right. And I know you don't want to hear that, but I'm going to tell you that because that's what the scripture says. We lie to ourselves and we pretend like we're walking this Christian life. And I would say probably less than 3 or 4% of the people who say they're Christians really walk in it. Uh, and here, it's probably 80 or 90%. Tell your neighbor, I'm one of, the, I'm one of those 2 or 3%. How about you? You can tell your neighbor that. Obedience is an outward expression for your love for God. The, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. God loves us with an unceasing, never-ending love. Uh, Dale told me a, a joke, I think that was Friday, and I want to just tell it to you again, but this state trooper, <laughs> where is Dale? There he is. The state trooper sees this guy speeding, so the state trooper goes after the guy. The guy speeds up. The state trooper speeds up. The guy speeds up even more. The state trooper speeds up. State trooper calls in help. Basically, they finally get this guy walled off, and they got, got to get him to stop. And the state trooper goes up to the car, and they're like, well, you clocked at 110 miles an hour. And the guy says to the state trooper, he says, my wife 
ran away with a state trooper and I thought you were bringing her back. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes God is not like that. God is, God is not like that. He's always pursuing us. If we run away from him, he's going to go chase us down. And he never, never, never lets that love of his fail on you. We sang it, didn't we? His, his love never fails. It never gives up. Come on. His love never fails. It never gives up. He will chase you down. He will find you in the deepest pits of hell if he has to. He will never relent. His love never fails. There is nothing that separates you from the love of God. Amen. Nothing can separate you from his love. Amen? Amen? That's who God is. He wants so badly, so deeply to bring you into a love relationship with him that he actually came and died in your place so that your sin would be covered. And then he gives you his spirit to live within you to guide you into that love. Let me go to the scripture in um, Hosea, and I'm just going to paraphrase Hosea. Hosea, the book of Hosea, is a book about Hosea the prophet. Hosea the prophet um, is speaking to the people, but the people are in a spiritual adultery with God. They've left their first love. And God tells Hosea, go and marry a harlot and love her unconditionally. And the book of Hosea is all about how we as a people, or back then it's the Old Testament folks, how they just kept walking away from God and running away from God and leaving God and living in their own flesh. You know, by the way, anything not done in faith is sin. Anything not done in faith is sin is how the Bible describes it. And any time that we miss the mark of his love, it's sin. And so they were doing their own thing and walking in their own ways. And he calls it harlotry. And it says here, after he takes this, and I'll use a strong word here, he takes this whore as his wife. And for a little while, she stays with him, even though she's still going out and doing what she shouldn't be doing. And she has children through him. But then she gets tired of the love relationship that he's giving her, unconditional love, and she leaves him. And as she leaves him, she goes off into the world, and she wants to do her own thing. And she's a whoring in the world. And as she is... She begins to get used up and bondages and strongholds get on her. And she gets so used up by the world that she can't be used to be a whore anymore, even. So they sell her off to be a slave. They figure, well, at least she could be sold off into slavery. So she gets into such a deep bondage that now she's being sold into slavery. And as a slave to the world, she's on the auction block and Hosea runs under the direction of God and says, whatever the cost, pay any price to get her back. And Hosea comes and he bids with everything he has to get her home and he buys her back and unconditionally loves her and brings her home. 
That's a story of God's love for you. And by the way, if people say, well, that's the story of the unsaved people. You know, Gomer, the, the wife, she was unsaved. Well, it actually says that they were married. And then she left. Christians, this is about you. Many of you think that you're walking in the ways of God, but you've got God like he's in some type of a bottle and he's a genie. And you rub it and say, hey, I need you now. I need you to do this for me. I need you now. When God says, no, I just want a love relationship with you. I live inside of you. I want to be one with you. And we play with God like he's like, oh, let's go to church on Sunday. Oh, wasn't that a great message? Maybe I'll even tithe a little bit. But let me go run my life the way I want. That's a whoring in the world. Matter of fact, James calls it this way. You adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And he who is a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That's James 4.4. God loves you with all that he has, so much that he gave him his own self, his own blood, so that he could have you. Song of Songs says it this way about God talking to us. I'm ravished by just one look from you. He is so ravished by just one look from you that it just knocks him over, it just knocks him out. He loves you so much. That's who God is. But when you talk to people about God and you mention God, the Old Testament God, what's the first thing you picture when you think of Old Testament God? A lot of people say wrath or judgment. But the story of the Old Testament is this. God loved the people. They went off a whoring in the world. God pulled them back. He loved them. They went off a whoring in the world, and he pulled them back. God loved the people. They went off a whoring in the world, and he pulled them back. Over and over and over until he said, I will just go die for them and die in their place, and then I will cover all that with my blood and then I'm going to put my spirit within them and I'm going to live directly within them so they have the power of my spirit so that the world's draw to them will not be stronger than my wooing and my draw to them in love and then he gives you his Holy Spirit after he's given his blood to you to live in you and the Holy Spirit does these things. And let me just share what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is because sometimes we miss it. But the Holy Spirit is given you for these reasons. One, Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. It's the Holy Spirit's job to teach you by pouring the love of God inside of you. That's your hope. The Holy Spirit's the one that pours agape love of God inside of you. Supernatural power of the Spirit of God pours this love inside of you. And as he pours this love inside of you, then in John 14 and John 16, it says, then he will guide you into all truth and he will lead you into all things and he will show you things to come. Basically, he'll take you in that love and take you and wrap you into the heart of God in that place if you're yielded to the Holy Spirit. And it says that we need to live in the power of God's Spirit in us. See, because our natural tendency is to go run off in a whore in the world. But the Holy Spirit gives us the power. And then it says the Holy Spirit is to convict us of sin. People in the 
you know, churches don't like to hear that word sin. Matter of fact, what I've been saying today probably is a harsh message, message in some churches. Your sin is your walking away from God and doing your own thing in your own life. But the Holy Spirit says that he convicts us of sin. It's in John 16, 8. Read it. Here's the key. Here's our part. Amy actually was talking about it during worship. After he convicts us of sin, do we repent from that sin? Our job in all this is that we, I'm sorry, I confess my sins, I've went my own way, I yield myself back to you. Forgive me of my sins. Jesus, when he healed folks and when they were in sinful situations, what did he say is, hey, you're all healed right now, go sin some more? No, he says, go and sin no more. And people get this part wrong. Oh, the grace of God, hallelujah, is on me. And I can do whatever I want. Really, the grace of God is on you and you really think that you can do whatever you want? That's the demon's grace, maybe. But that's not the grace of God. It's getting quiet in here, but... The scriptures say, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. That's the specific job of the Holy Spirit, to direct your path. You know, our country pays billions and billions and billions of dollars on guidance systems for missiles. You know, all nations seem to have bombs, but to really get good at it, if you have guidance systems for them, so billions are, are set on guidance systems for these missiles. And if, matter of fact, the ones that go up into onto the moon, you get one degree or one little bit off, you're not hitting the moon, you're hitting Mars or something. A guidance system is so important. The Holy Spirit is our guidance system. Leading us and guiding us into the heart of God. And when we stop yielding to that guiding system and decide that we're going to guide our own life or walk in our own way, we get off track. Matter of fact, if you're in a car and you're going the wrong way, what's that called? Lost. Duh. And we think when we get off track of what the Holy Spirit has for us that we're just, oh, hallelujah, I'm just, you know, it's just this little sin of mine. You're lost. You're lost. What if your whole life, because it's precept upon precept, glory upon glory, you put your little ladder, which is supposed to get you, when you get to the top of the ladder, you're going to walk into heaven's glory. So you're one step, this step, but oh, let me move it over here. I like this place to climb up. So you move the ladder where you want. You climb up to the top of the ladder and find out that you missed the mark because you were moving the ladder around deciding where it was going to go. You have one life to live and you missed the mark because you were running and deciding where the ladder was going to go. You thought you were on the way to heaven, but you were doing it your own way. You know, there's a scripture about that. Matter of fact, there's a story about it in the book of Genesis about the Tower of Babel, they called it, where they thought they could get their own way into heaven. When we walk in our own flesh, we are telling God that I will get my own way to heaven. And if he's not first place in every area of your life, then you've got a problem, and it's called sin.
Now you're saying, that sounds harsh. Well, let's see what the scripture says. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says that we're to imitate God. And then in verse 2, it says that we will walk in his love. So there's one place where it says we're supposed to be walking in his love. Who guides us in that love? Holy Spirit. Let's look at another one. Jude uh, 21, there's only one chapter, so Jude 21, it's verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. What are we supposed to do? Keep ourselves what? In the love of God. We don't, it doesn't say keep loving God. It says keep yourself in the love of God. The Holy Spirit lives where? In us. When we keep ourselves in the love, love of God, it's putting us in a place where the Holy Spirit has control. You can't work your way into this love. You place yourself into the place of the love of God. Let's look at another one. 1 John 4, 16 says this, If we have known and believed the love that God has for us, God is love, and that he who abides in this love abides in God and God in him. You want all of God in you? Because God is all love, and God is pursuing you, and God has made a way for you to walk in this love, and that's by yielding to the Holy Spirit in you. And he's put his love in you. You want God? Yield to the Holy Spirit, who's going to guide you and direct you. Here's another one, John 15, 9. As the Father loved me, Jesus is saying, I also have loved you. Abide in my love, again, in that place. This is the most basic, simplest, one-on-one Christianity there isn't that's out there. And most Christians miss it. They think that they can somehow say they're saved and then go do whatever they want in their life. That's sin. And sin means missing the mark. And when you miss the mark, you've missed God. You can't walk in your own flesh and think that you're going to get there. Matter of fact, in the book of Galatians, and again, that was quoted up here, the fruit of the Spirit is in Galatians. But in the book of Galatians, it says, what has happened to you? You've begun in the Spirit, and now you think you're going to be made perfect in the flesh. Every single Christian hits this crossroad, and sometimes almost every day, Almost every day. Matter of fact, that's why the Lord's Prayer says, daily give us our bread, daily forgive us of our debts and let us forgive others. Daily, daily. This is a daily thing. It says this in the scripture. If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins. What if we don't confess our sins? What happens, meaning, okay, I'm off the track. I'm off the mark. Sin is, means I'm off mark. This is God. I'm going this way. What if I don't confess my sins? What if I don't get back on track? What if I don't come back to the Lord? Come on, do you understand what happens? Are we, are we, did I lose it or something? The, the mic? Do you understand what happens? Every step you take in your own flesh is a step away from God. You cannot live in the flesh and expect that the love of God that is in you 
to flourish because you're walking away from it. Nothing separates you from it except you. There's no demon from hell that can separate you from God. There's nothing out there outside of you that can separate you from the love of God. The only thing that separates you from the love of God is you. In the Ephesus church, Jesus is walking in the churches. And Jesus says this to them because they don't have many things wrong with them. This is in the book of Revelation. They're really doing a pretty good job. And they think they are doing a pretty good job. But listen to what Jesus says to them. Revelation 2.1. The angel of the church of Ephesus write, Nevertheless, I have this one thing against you, that you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, repent and do the first work, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Repentance is very important in this life. He, Jesus is saying that if they don't repent, their lampstand is going to be removed. What were the first public words of Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew? Uh, anybody got their Bible with, it, with you? I'd give you a hint. It's in Matthew 4.17. Now, he said some words to the demon that was tormenting him and trying to torment him when he was in the wilderness. And that was in Matthew 3 and parts of, I think, the beginning of 4. But the first public words of Jesus Christ are in Matthew 4.17. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first words out of Jesus' mouth to the public, to people, was this. Repent. Repent. Turn away. Get back in the right guidance system. Get back on track. Get out of sin and get on the right course. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. Folks, we need some repentance going on, and it should be daily in our lives. I call it this, keep a short account with God. Who do you think you are that you can go walk off and do whatever you want through the day? When you leave here today, some of you are going to go do whatever you want. It better not be something that you're doing outside of faith because everything not done in faith is sin. Some of us set up hobbies and different things that we do and all these things, but I want to tell you, what happened when you first fell in love? Anybody ever here been in love with somebody before? I have. It's, in, it's, it's to the point where, where are you going to spend all your time that you can with, with that person, right? Every waking moment. And then you even lose some sleep, probably, some of you. Where every moment is focused on them. Why have we left our first love? Why isn't every waking moment that we have focused on God? If it's not, then you've left your first love. You've gone a whoring in the world, and you put your flesh first instead of God. Oh, you're being too hard on us, Pastor. Really, I'm just reading the scriptures. The scriptures are clear. The standard of God is excellence in him. And the only way we're going to hit that standard is by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Because not one of us here can do it on our own. Let me... If I can find that scripture, I've got a scripture I want to read to you that's very familiar to all of us. 
And I'm, let me read this to you. You'll, you'll know where it is in Romans, but I'll read it here to you. The writer of Romans says this, and this is written to the church. So the writer of Romans is re- writing a letter to the church, and he says this. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Together they have become useless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Let me tell you to it maybe in a different way. If God doesn't come to you in his love and pursue you, and pull you and captivate you into that love, you will never come on your own. It can't happen. Our flesh can't, won't go there. He has pulled you, drawn you. It says, no man can come to the Father except he what? Draws them, right? Doesn't the scripture say that? So he's the one wooing you, drawing you. He's the one who's taking his life and pouring it into you and then giving you a way to walk in his supernatural strength into this place of love. It's him. It's all about him. And he loves you that much. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his own love toward us, that when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore I have continued to extend faithful love you. Hmm. God's not looking for a part-time lover. Let me tell you that again. Let me say that to you very plainly. God is not looking for a part-time lover. Amen. Are you a part-time lover of God? Are you a part-time lover of God? Are there other things that are more important than God in your life? If, if you're really are telling the truth with yourself, there's a lot of people in here today that are going to say, I don't love God that way. But here's the really cool thing. The Holy Spirit has the ability to get us right back on track and bring us right into that love. And all it takes is a simple thing of saying, I got off track, God. I need your help. Forgive me. Get me back on track with you. And God, in his infinite love towards us, says, hallelujah, thank you, yeah. <laughs> now, again, I'm paraphrasing. I don't think it, God maybe will say it that way to everyone, but that's why he says it to me. Like Gomer, sin has marred us so deeply that we don't seek after God properly on our own, reco- our own accord. We turn away, mm, yet we're designed were designed by God to live in this love. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How does someone get 100 pounds overweight? Does it happen like tomorrow? Does it take like maybe a couple days? How about just a couple weeks? How long does it take to drift far from God? I mean, it can, you can start right away. But most people just drift, and they drift, and they drift, and they drift. And they have a form of godliness, it says in the scripture, but they deny the power. And it says from such people, actually, for other Christians to turn away from them. It it does say that. 
they're drifting and they wonder why their life is a mess. And yet they're trying to run their own life. It's like, who do you think would provide for you better? God, me. God, me. Well, I'm going to go with me and do what I want. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And the scripture says, what shall a man give in exchange for a soul? There's nothing, nothing in this world worth dropping the love of God and walking in our own flesh for. Nothing at all. And some of you say, well, these are just little sins that I'm in. Anything not done in faith is sin in getting you off the mark. There's no such thing as a little sin. Every sin takes you off the mark. Every sin. Matter of fact, the scripture says that you cannot continue to live in sin and love God. That's in, um, matter of fact, let me read it out of the Amplified Bible here. It's my wife's Amplified Bible, so let me see what it says. In 1 John 5, 16. Let me read this to you. You got a lot of good stuff in here. Uh, 1 John 5, 18. We know absolutely that anyone born of God does not deliberately and knowingly practice committing sin. But the one who is begotten of God carefully watches over and protects him. Christ's divine presence within him preserves him against the evil. And the wicked one does not lay hold or get a grip on him or touches him. Is there anyone here that would willingly commit sin? Well, every time you miss the mark, every time that you have these little secret sins, I'll throw out, no, I don't want to get into these things, but I mean, I can start naming some stuff. Come on. Come on, some habits in your life that you're doing that is nothing more than pleasure for your flesh. Every time you do it, it's sin. And if God has told you and is working on you in an area, the Holy Spirit correcting you, and you don't go into that correction, you're going to go around and around and around and around the mountain. You know, the old 11-day journey from, the promise, from Egypt to the Promised Land took 40 years. The reason why you're going around and around and around in the mountain, most likely, nearly all the time, it's just a um, cover-up to the real issue. And the real issue when pulled open is that you're living in your own flesh and walking in your own ways and you're missing the mark instead of being yielded totally to the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you into the love of God. Are we always going to always yield to the Holy Spirit? No, because we got flesh within us. And while we're still on this earth, we're going to fall and make mistakes. But if you keep a short account with God, and on a daily basis, maybe several times through the day, that you confess your sins and keep them before God and ask for repentance. Repentance means, anybody know what that means? Turn away. That means that when you get off course, turn away from being off course. <laughs> get back on course through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, Repent, turn away, get back on course. 
Let me just summarize this and then we'll close. People do not seek God on their own initiative. God always takes the lead in pursuing this love relationship with you. And before the foundation of the world, he set you up to be in a divine love relationship with him. Matter of fact, what do you think you're going to be doing for all eternity? You're going to be in a love relationship with the king of the universe for all eternity. That's what you're created for. But we're living in time, and somehow we get lost out of eternal, our eternal destiny and purpose, and we get in this place called time or flesh, and we decide that, hey, I'm going to just wander out of that. By the way, if I tell Deborah, hey, honey, I'm going to be with you like five days a week, but two days a week, I'm just going to go and do whatever I want and go wherever I want. You won't see me those two days a week, but I'm really giving you more time than, than kind of like, because seven days, I'm giving you five. Would that, would that marriage work? No. But we do that with God? But we do that with God? The love relationship is real, personal, and extremely practical by God. More than anything else that we might do, God wants you to love him with your total being. He created you for this purpose. He has given you his Holy Spirit, his spirit to live within you, to bring you and guide you into that purpose and destiny. He puts his supernatural love in you, and then he reveals those truths and reveals himself through his spirit living in you. It's a place of being. People say, open up the heavens. Let God come down. You know, a lot of Old Testament verses are like that because that was before Jesus Christ came to the earth and before we have been given the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Every single one of you are in open heaven already. And God doesn't need to open up the heavens to touch you. He's already put his Holy Spirit in you. You are already an open heaven. It's just a matter of are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and to live in that. The dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, he lives in you. And he wants to make alive your mortal body through his power living in you. That's Romans 8, 11. You've got the power to do this. I hear people all the time, oh, you just don't understand. This is so hard. Well, yeah, it's hard if you're going to do it in the flesh. It's not about us going to try to live godly. That's called law. Law doesn't work. Here's grace. I've given you all of me. All you got to do is yield to me, and I'm going to provide for you and lead you into that love relationship. That's it. That's the answer for every one of our lives. This is the most simplest, basic Christianity 101, but this is where most of us lose it. We get off course. So I'm going to read this again. Jesus said this is the most important thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. Let's all stand. We're going to close.